be able to share a little bit of my own heart, my own reflection. I think it's really important. What a week it has been in so many different ways. As I share this with you, and I'm grateful that uh, Pastor Glenn and Nick have encouraged us, that Pastor Jeremy up at Lake Country, we shared together at staff uh, on Monday morning. And of course, as we stepped into Monday morning, we had all of the events of the weekend and all that took place and the news that we received and then, of course, the news item. But this whole week has been full of, of painful news. Even as I share with you at this moment, our car park is packed. This may seem strange in one sense, but we are now a reception centre for the disaster that has happened on the Pocahola and for families in Merritt and the surrounding area. And people are arriving at Willow Park Church from all directions. And as they arrive, you can see the shock. You can see the pain. You can see the trauma. And even standing in our gymnasium and seeing the families talking to each other, being reassured, being encouraged. I'm just thankful that our church building is here and that we're part of the emergency plan, that we can in this way show the love of Christ to our community indeed, that we reach out, that we show God's love. And the pastoral staff are working really hard to facilitate uh, the disaster response team that is here, taking details and meeting people's needs and helping them to get accommodation and so on. But of course, this last week, as I stood in front of the staff, I said this last week has been a week of, of shock. It's been a week of trauma. Even though I've carried a journey for the last 22 months and asked by the RCMP to not speak of it and to protect identities, protect details, so that the integrity of the case and the investigation could take place. That was tough. I thought it was tough until I came into this past weekend, a week ago. And for many of us, we felt the pain and the shock. The staff team, they worshipped. They worshipped for about 45 minutes. And it was beautiful to hear them worshipping. Zach led them. Then they did kind of prayer and they did some listening to the Lord and they wrote in their journals and they journaled prayers and then as a team they shared those thoughts and prayers and to be honest, when I think about what I want to share with you, it's exactly what I shared with our team. And it's from the story of Lazarus. You know this story because it's found in John chapter 11. It is actually a traumatic story. It's a painful story. It's a story that has shock in it. It's a story that has crisis in it. It's a story that has profound grief in it. It has the marks of grief all the way through it because even as the writer communicates to us, you can feel the, the pain and the agony. You can feel the, 
the confusion, uh, the way in which each of the members in the story were discombobulated. They were overwhelmed because the one that they loved, the one that Jesus Christ loved, the one that they loved had died, Lazarus. So they sent word to him. First they sent word, he is sick, please come. Because we know if you will come, you will meet our needs. And of course, Jesus didn't come immediately. He didn't instantly jump on that white charger and charge all the way towards Bethany. He lingered for a moment. And as he lingered, he lingered because he knew that God had a greater purpose. God had a greater plan. God was sovereign and God was Lord. But for Mary and Martha, for the family, that was hard. Because that in-between time, when they were waiting, when they were waiting for Jesus to arrive, was so tough. And we know that Jesus loved him and Jesus loved Mary and Martha because in verse 5 of chapter 11, if you've got your Bible, it says this. But he stayed where he was for two more days. Verse 6. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. Let us go back. It's time to go back. And of course he arrives. And the first thing that happens as he arrives in after verse 17 is that Martha heard that Jesus was coming, verse 20, and she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. And verse 21, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. This verse is a verse of lamenting. And Lamenting is not something that we talk a lot about within our evangelical culture, within our commitment. And yet when we read the Psalms, we know that over 60% of the Psalms are laments. Oh God, where were you? Oh God, I need you. Oh God, why have you allowed this to happen? Oh God, why are my enemies surrounding me? Oh Lord, when will you deliver me? My God, my God, my soul cries out for you. I think on a provincial level, there are many people lamenting today. And at a church level, and at a staff level, this last seven days, and before that, there's been such sense of lament. And what I said to our staff team was, it's okay to lament. Oh God, to feel the pain, to ask the question, why? To say, Lord, where were you? Often we feel it's sin to come to God with our groans and our pain and our crisis and our questions. We think that somehow this is sin. We think that somehow that this is wrong. We think that by coming to God and just saying, I am absolutely broken. It's somehow wrong. And yet it is so very 
right. Because when we face pain, and when we face crisis, and as an organization, we're facing organizational trauma. As a province, as we see the floodwaters in Abbotsford, as we see familiar spots we know washed away, as we hear sadness and disaster. Our province is lamenting. Oh God, God, where are you? And I believe that it's okay to lament because I believe that it's okay to speak the narrative of pain that we travel through, to share the wounds, to be able to say, Oh God, God, come to me. If only you'd arrive, if only you'd come in time, if only you had made it, if only you had changed some things, if only something was different, if only this hadn't happened. And the effect of the shock hits your whole body. I can almost feel it in Mary and Martha. Martha is, is she brushes out. She is, she's hyped and she runs towards Jesus. I remember one occasion in my past when I was overwhelmed with oh, the stress and pressures of work. It's to do with employing in the organisation I led at that point um, 30 people, and we every month we had to believe for for salaries to come in to provide for families, and it was a faith charity. And and that particular time, nothing was coming in. I remember my whole body being so. What are we going to do? And I remember going and sitting in an old church, and for an hour just staring at the cross. I remember going home to our house and going upstairs, and I literally fell face down onto the bed. And I was like, oh God, where are you? My God, we need you. My God. And so we realize that, that in the life of Mary, there is this lamenting. Indeed, in the life of Mary and Martha. Because Mary says exactly the same. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, verse 32, she fell on his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died if you had been here. There's two things going on here. Number one, there is the pain and the agony and the grief of the sisters if you had been here. Number two, there is Jesus. What we see from the whole picture of the story is that God, that Christ, that Jesus, the living Word of God, supreme God, saw things from a completely different perspective. They 
were just seeing the pain. They were seeing the agony. They were experiencing their grief, disbelief, frustration, anger maybe. But at that moment, Jesus arrives with a different perspective. Because they're in the middle of the storm and he has the ability here to be above it. He sees two areas. First of all, he sees the kingdom of God. He sees the sovereignty of God. He sees the glory of God. He's above the problem. His perspective is like being 10,000 feet in an airplane, looking down on the landscape and seeing all of that is taking place. And at the same time, he's amongst their pain, incarnated. He takes hold of their pain and he visits them and he is with them at that moment. This comforts me. Because at times, over these weeks, my own body has felt not only of my mind, but my body has felt the pain and the trauma. Lord, if you've been here, a brother went to die. He was deeply moved in his spirit, verse 33, and troubled. Where have they laid him? Verse 33, for me, is the key. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. That is a really interesting phrase. Because what it means is, it's a Greek construct of the words. What it means is, he was literally in his body trembling with pain and association with them. He was connecting with them. He saw them. In fact, the Greek word is used for a horse. Now, I had a horse and had been around horses when I was young. And it would always amaze me when I saw the horse is that the horse would have you ever seen a horse shudder or neigh and shake and suddenly you hear a horse neigh for its very inner being and it's like an internal earthquake that shifts in the horse and you know it. That horse suddenly shivers, shakes. That internal earthquake takes place. This is what's happening. Jesus is shuddering, shaking, literally neighing in association with their pain. And I want to encourage you that as whatever trauma you face, whatever difficulties we're facing, whatever we're seeing in our province, as we look out and beyond, I want to remind us that Jesus, he feels our pain and he feels our own agony and identifies. And then we have this very tiny verse, Jesus wept. He wept for their pain. He weeps for our pain. He weeps for our province. He weeps at this time because 
not only has he got the perspective of the kingdom of God, but he's got the perspective of the incarnation that he associates with all of our griefs, with all of our agonization, with all of our trauma, with everything that we face, with everything that we go through, Jesus associates with it. And the truth is, as I often say, if you talk to somebody long enough, they will have a story to tell you that will make you grieve. He goes, where is he? Where they laid him? Now often, we don't think about Lazarus in the tomb, sealed up, wrapped in cloth, in the cold, lying on that slab. As I said to the staff, there are times in life when I've literally felt like Lazarus. I felt like I'm in a tomb. I felt like I'm in, in darkness. I felt like physically I could feel the cold of the stone coming through. And that's a hard place to be when you feel a sense of helplessness, when you feel a sense that life has wrapped you around with the cloth of death, when you feel the grief and you feel the agony, and even if he could have opened his eyes at that moment, he saw the darkness of the tomb. Literally, sometimes in love, we feel that moment. We feel as if we've been wrapped in those cloths. As wrapped, feel the cold, feel the darkness, feel the But then something happens. Something amazing. Jesus Christ, verse 14. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. And I said this to the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. Jesus knew that God would hear him. And I want to say, that God hears our prayers, that He hears our prayers, that prayers are never wasted. And maybe you associate in this story with different people, maybe Mary and Martha, maybe lamenting, maybe, yes, you even associate with Lazarus there in the tomb. And then Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And I think when we feel like life is a tomb, when we feel like where is the answer, what is the way, we are waiting for that moment when the voice of Jesus comes and says these words, come out. Come out. Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Come out of what you're facing. Come out of what you're going through. Come out of the pain. 
as in Lazarus in the hypothetical, in the darkness, and he just feels as he wakes up to man. So when I shared this with the staff, and the point I wanted to make to them, and I want to make to all of us today, at this moment, wherever the text takes you in the narrative, is this, that Jesus has a different
Hi. So we just wanted to take a few minutes to, to respond to this message. Um, it's so important in worship to come as we are, um, to bring all that we're going through, all that we're walking through, our, our emotions, our bodies, and our minds um, in worship to become like Jesus, to be renewed and transformed in the image of Jesus. And um, so that's what we want to be doing today. We come as we are to become like Jesus. Uh, many of you may have seen a meme going around this week. Um, change of mood for a minute. Um, Chris Farley is in this picture, and he's got wild hair and crazy eyes, and he's looking frazzled and beaten down. And the caption says, I'm tired of walking through historic events. And uh, I don't know how many of you can identify with that this morning, but I think we're all getting a little tired with it. And I think when we feel discouraged and beaten down and again and again, um, that can lead us to asking the question, as Pastor Phil said, where is God in the middle of this? That's where we look back to our Bibles and we look at the pattern that we see there. Over and over, people in the Bible call out to God for help. Israel calls to God, and God's response is to hear them. But it's not a passive hearing, like you're just listening. It's an active one. When God actively gets involved with what we pray for, he sends people. He sent Moses. He sent Samuel. He sent David. Most of all, he sent Jesus, as Pastor Phil said. And the beautiful thing is that Jesus then sends us. We're given freedom, we're given life, and then we're called to take that into the world and to be responsible for those around us. So as we move through our own grief, remember that we're also called and given the power to help those in grief. Last week we talked about um, letting the peace of Christ rule our hearts wasn't that well-timed with a week where we're having to put on the armor of God just to go through the grocery store um, because people are panic buying and, um, you know, I just had this on my heart all week, let the peace of Christ rule um, and that way we can be better peacemakers around us. And that leads us to this week. Uh, I'm going to read from 2 Corinthians 2 verse, or 1 verse 3. Uh, it talks about God being the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. He comforts so that we can comfort. That's two powerful takeaways. Um, we draw near to Jesus for peace and comfort so that we bring and work for peace and comfort around us so that we help our friend who's going through a hard time, so that uh, we are a non-anxious presence in the grocery store or wherever people are, you know, losing their cool and freaking out, um, so that we can serve and care for and love on the, the flood evacuees in our province right now. So we want to pray uh, with all of that in mind 
I'm going to invite you to stand as we do that. God, we just want to pray through that verse this morning, Lord, that through whatever we face, um, that we would be sure and confident that you hear us, that you are with us. Lord, that um, you are the source of all peace and comfort if we turn towards you. And we pray, Lord, that that would be true in our church and in our, our province as we walk through these uh, difficult times together. Lord, that you would be working in our hearts, uh, moving our hearts, Lord, to be compassionate to those around us that you would give us a heart for all the hurting people, Lord, the people struggling through floods, struggling through loss, um, or intense seasons of stress, that you would renew us, that you would use us to make yourself known. Lord, I pray that in our province, this would be a time more than ever where people would be able to know that, that you are real, that you are um, near and moving in our province, that you are um, encouraging and healing. And I pray, Lord, that we would be able to be a part of that, to be your hands and feet, loving on those around us. We thank you, God, that you are faithful and that you are never far from um, our suffering. And I pray, Lord, that... Um, that you would encourage us this week to live that out. And uh, as we sing and worship, um, that you would speak to us as well. Thank you, Lord. Amen. <laughs>